you can't do a national you know, survey or a poll and try to understand and, and really target veterans issues. Those issues are localized to states and to geographic areas, regions. So it's really important to understand that. Welcome to the Rain Insights Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Memorial Day is a holiday in the United States set aside to honor the men and women who died while serving in the U.S. military. And yet many service members who are veterans continue to die following their service by suicide. In one sobering year, the VA reported more suicides by veterans than there were combat deaths. In this podcast, Rain founder David Lawrence speaks with James Sisko, the founder and president of Inodo Global, about a multi-layered analysis he produced using advanced social listening tools to reveal the greatest concerns faced by veterans. Jim, first of all, it's a great privilege and honor to be able to have a conversation with you uh, ahead of Memorial Day weekend, which of course honors uh, the veterans who were killed in action, veterans who are no longer with us. And I thought it was particularly appropriate to spend some time and share some of the insights from a project that you undertook. Just for further context for the audience, Jim and I have worked together very closely on a number of projects uh, related broadly to public safety, uh, security, uh, reputational risk, and broadly enterprise-wide threats. Uh, So Jim, could you maybe begin talking just a little bit about your personal background, particularly your military history, and a little bit about Inodo, which is your company and the company we've been very, very fortunate to work with. Sure, David. Definitely give you a little insights into my background, which will kind of allow you to understand why uh, we're doing what we're doing. Um, For me, uh, a 23-year military career um, started off in Marine Corps uh, reconnaissance. I was uh, in Desert Storm 1 on the ground. Uh, part of the invasion force doing reconnaissance missions. Um, went to college after I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, received a degree, and then was enrolled in the PLC program. I had intended to take a Marine Corps commission as an officer, but took a naval commission. Um, got got a little smarter, <laughs> but uh, spent uh, 18 years in naval intelligence, um, and a majority of that time was deployed to three tours in Afghanistan. I did deployments to Afghanistan or Somalia, Ethiopia, Iraq. So uh, it was really the time in the military, in the Navy and in the Marine Corps, where uh, I I decided that I saw a lot of the, I don't want to say failures or the shortcomings with uh, a lot of what we were doing in the military, USAID, um, State Department, and saw some gaps in analysis and intelligence and uh, that was really the genesis of Inodo Global, and that's why we're here today. With regard to uh, the project that we're going to discuss, um, as a veteran, as a veteran who's deployed to uh, combat zones multiple times, I believe that it's my uh, kind of duty to continue to help those uh, individuals who are not as fortunate as myself, and that's kind of the reason why Inodo, we're using Inodo's capabilities to help veterans in different ways. So with that, I'll go back to you and answer any questions that you may have. All right. Just to briefly explain the technology that Inodo has developed, Jim, 
uh, because that's important to the context of the issues we're about to discuss. Yes, yeah, so we devo- uh, developed a proprietary uh, social listening platform, and based upon the technologies that were available, we clued together a platform, and we used Python language to optimize the different applications in order to uh, allow us to, you know, obtain the most accuracy in in different parts of the the technologies. For example, our language translation capabilities in Arabic alone are in the low uh, 90s and 80 percentile, high 80 percentile. Our sentiment analysis um, allows us to get accuracies that are beyond the traditional um, um, platforms that are available from uh, from different clients. So it really is the, the power behind uh, Anoto is our data analytics tools that we use and how we apply them to different problem sets. And I'm going to, just for purposes of this podcast, I'm going to reference this as your ability to engage in social listening, to understand what is what people are saying, a bit of the opinions that they're sharing, and to better understand what the real issues might be in the, in the current environment. And so with that said, Jim, uh, you undertook this great project to basically see whether what the media is covering about veteran issues, what broad population might think are the issues that are confronting veterans, and then also try to understand what is really top of mind amongst the veteran community in terms of what they're confronting, the issues they're managing, the challenges that they are facing on a uh, daily basis. And so maybe you can share with us uh, some of the findings. Yeah, I'm happy to discuss that, David. Um, you know, there were really three huge findings or major findings that we that came out of the analysis. Um, one being that you mentioned that there's a stark contrast in what the general population uh, believes are the issues that are important to veterans. And then also the veteran community and what those issues are, and then the veterans themselves. Um, when we looked at the data analytics, it was it was uh, it, it really shed light on that issue. Um, when we looked at, we did a topic model to understand, you know, how the general population viewed the issues that were important to veterans, and it, the the most important issue to them, or the topic that was discussed most, was events like Military Appreciation Month. And especially with uh, you know, the holiday coming up, that's no surprise. The second most discussed topic were issues by different um, nonprofits and organizations that support support veterans. And those are everything from local organizations to, to national organizations and uh, recognizing different events, you know, even going down to like the craft beer donations and, and charity events and things of that nature, which is really the third topic. And, you know, that kind of, you know, helps you understand, hey, the general population is disconnected from what the veterans issues are. Because when you looked at the topics that the veterans are talking about, there was very specific to VA hospitals, the availability to um, resources, the, um, you know, the number of appointments being made, frustration with not with backlogs and not having the ability to schedule uh, appointments and. Um, and then there was even uh, 
discussions about congressional legislation associated with toxic exposure to chemicals, which you know even I faced in uh, in Desert Storm and in Afghanistan. So that contrast in in uh, in beliefs and discussions really uh, really kind of shed light on the other two issues that I'm happy to discuss with you. Jim, let me try to square the circle a little bit as we uh, continue in our conversation. Uh, you weren't finding a lack of what I'll refer to as attention broadly to veterans. Uh, what you're finding is a disconnect between priorities and the specific issues that veterans themselves face and are top of mind to them versus what the public is discussing, what the media is discussing, et cetera. Is that a fair summation? That is exactly correct, um, which led to kind of the next layer of the analysis. Once we saw that disconnect, we also wanted to understand how that plays out for uh, veterans and for service providers. And what we found was the the voices of the veterans were actually being drowned out. They are being drowned out by the Veterans Administration, these nonprofits, um, organizations, NGOs, um, who who actually receive a lion's share of the uh, share of the voice. So when we did the actual analysis, we found that veterans. Uh, well, the Department of Veterans Affairs received 18 percent. Nonprofits received 40 percent. Philanthropic foundations, 15 percent. You know, religious uh, charities, 13 percent. It was only six percent of veterans had the share of the voice. So out of a 100 percent, when you're talking about only six percent, uh, the veterans voices being heard, it really highlights some of the issues and challenges that uh, veterans face when they're trying to get their message across. And I want to be precise in the language. When you speak about drowning out, it's not necessarily, it's not a purposeful event. But what you're referring to is the attention, the spotlight, the campaign fundraising that occurs by people who are, you know, are highly motivated to assist the veterans, that the actual concerns that veterans have is often not heard above the publicity, the coverage that's given to these other groups. Yeah, that's correct. It's it's not any one individual or organization's fault. It's just the nature of the beast. It's just the way uh, the social media is in news and other um, online platforms uh, are disseminate information. So it's not any one individual or organization's fault. It's just how social media is being used and, and the percentage of veterans and their ability to get their message out there. Now, I know, Jim, this is not your first foray, and I will mention to the members of the audience that uh, Jim took on uh, this project and you know informed me about it uh, as a matter of a pro bono exercise in the public interest, obviously drawing from his own experiences and that of his various comrades and friends. In doing this, Jim, again, this was not your first effort. Uh, you've had a lot of experience with and acute awareness of the issues that veterans are facing. And uh, some of, we'll call it the frustration that veterans have felt is that the issues that are most important to them are not being addressed at a time when a lot of attention is given, as you reveal in your in your survey, to events that honor the veterans, 
you know, local fundraising, craft beer events, and obviously there, there's a fair amount of effort around honoring the vets. And, you know, it's almost become quite very, very commonplace, and you see it at sporting events, uh, where veterans are thanked for their service. And I know from my conversations with you, and I'm not you know, trying to be glib about this, really the point you're, you're trying to make and what you're identifying here is that the way to truly thank veterans for their service is to actually hear them and to hear what they're dealing with and what they're struggling with and to address these things as the priorities. Am I encapsulating this correctly? You are, David. You can't fix a problem if you don't know what the problem is, or you can't, you know, uh, cure a, an illness if you misdiagnose it. So, for us, it's really important to understand what the real issues are, what the challenges are, what the needs are of these veterans. When I talk about veterans' issues, you know, a subset of that is veteran suicide, and as you know, I'm very passionate about trying to find a solution for veteran suicide. So when we looked at this latest analysis, we studied the voices of veterans. We didn't focus on veteran suicide as much as understanding what the requirements and the needs or the, uh, of the veterans were rather than focusing on a specific issue. But if you'd like, I'm happy to talk about the, the veteran suicide project that we uh, undertook last year and, and provide you some background on that and, and this way you'll understand how it fits into the big picture. That that would be great. I'd like you to do that. And I'd also like you to share with the audience sort of broadly uh, the top issues that veterans are facing and what they are actually talking about and where they need support and assistance. Sure. Let me start by addressing the, the second question. What we found was veterans and, and everything is very localized. Um, you can't do a national uh, you know, survey or a poll and try to understand and, and really target veterans' issues. Those issues are localized, uh, you know, to states and to geographic areas, regions. So it's really important to understand that when we conducted the analysis, we looked at, uh, we looked across the United States and what we found were isolated incidents in certain geographies or there's trends in certain regions uh, based upon socioeconomic issues or uh, different different factors that allow you to get very detailed data on what those issues are. You know, for instance, in Louisiana, you know, there was a recent issue with a VA hospital that generated a lot of attention and even to the point where it became a national dis, uh, discussion or debate. So the most important thing that we found is that these localized issues with regard to access to um, healthcare facilities, availability of appointments, and, and things like that were, were the major issues. There wasn't so much talk within the veterans demographic group about uh, different activities or events by nonprofits or, or the VA. They're, they were very localized issues. With regard to the first question, last year, um, I believe it was uh, during a period, and we see an ebb and flow happen all the time where you'll have some a couple veterans uh, commit suicide and all of a sudden there's a lot of attention, media attention, and then it kind of you know fades away. And but the, the fact that we should all be aware of is the, the issue is not going away. 
Um, every day, approximately on average, 20 to 22 veterans commit suicide. And there are millions of dollars being spent to find solutions. There's the VA is, is doing, a, doing a good job trying to help, but there's no cure or solution. And part of the, the project that we undertook was to try to find a solution. And what we did is we took our uh, data analytics platform and our social listening tools to really understand the discourse about veteran suicide. And what, what, what were the driving factors behind that? What were the motivations to, 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 uh, to actually take your life? Um, and a lot of that we found in the discourse, the way almost suicide was glorified by some uh, members of the military, you know, and the way it was talked about. He lost the battle to suicide. It was the vernacular they used. It was almost accepted as, a, as an outcome. And what we wanted to do is how do we change that message? How do we change that vernacular? How do we help veterans understand in a way you know, the impact and implications of this? And we, uh, we created a pilot project, and we believe it was very effective. We used the data analytics to understand the narratives and create messages that resonated with uh, different uh, demographic groups of veterans, because when you're talking to Vietnam veterans, it's a different discussion than you're talking to you know, 18-year-old female veteran who was in Iraq uh, or, or in Desert Storm, or well, Iraq or in Afghanistan. So those messages have to be tailored or customized for the different groups that you're engaging with. I mean, we even went so far to find that there are differences in nuance between the different services. Obviously, when you're speaking with a Marine, it's different than when you're talking to someone in the Air Force or the Coast Guard. So it's really important to understand uh, how they talk, what they're talking about, and, and then how it's being used. So we took that pilot project and we ran a three-month uh, you know, project and we came up with some very good findings and we presented that to the VA and unfortunately uh, for budgetary reasons they weren't able to move forward with that uh, so we're still looking for a resource sponsor to uh, conduct a, uh, a six-month or one-year pilot project uh, across the United States. Jim, thanks for that further context. Just in terms of the council because it, it, it is interesting that the vets themselves are focused less on the we'll call it the not-for-profit organizations and the events that are being organized and the parades and everything else than they are on the issues. What would be the best way for the leadership within the veterans' hospitals, within our political circles, the decision makers, the policy makers, to address these concerns and actually get to know the issues? David, that's a difficult question. You know, I could I could easily uh, promote myself in Anoto by saying, hire Anoto and we can help you. But uh, I, I don't think that's the solution. I mean, the first step should be obviously to understand. Uh, I mean, the VA is broken into four geographic regions. If each region did an analysis uh, of the veterans' concerns based upon the geographic areas that they cover, I think that would be the first step. Um, but it really would it would be utilizing the resources available to the VA and other organizations to understand what the requirements are, what the needs are of veterans, uh, less focus on uh, the Veterans Administration being the de facto 
uh, authority on VA issues. I mean, if you look at what the VA programs are, they're very focused on specific things, mental health and wellness, um, PTSD, traumatic brain injury, the opioid crisis. And yes, that those are issues for a segment of the veteran community, but that's not representative of the entire veteran community. So you really need to focus your attention on really the needs of uh, the entire set of veterans and not just specific individuals and programs. And that's where it really becomes difficult because, you know, big government institutions want a single solution, a silver bullet to fix it. And it's not that simple. So going back to answer the question, I believe that each uh, regional VA um, geographic area should should understand their problems within their uh, within their geography and then come up with those solutions with the service providers that are in those regions. What we've also found through that pilot project is there's a disconnect. You have the VA and they're out doing you know God's work. They're trying to they're trying to solve the problem, and then you have these nonprofits and uh, and, and other groups and NGOs and they're doing their things. Like I mean, there's bikers for vets. You have programs using horses and, and dogs and comfort pets. And you have, uh, I mean, everything out there. And you have the Gary Sinise Foundation. You have other foundations that are building homes for Gold Star families and things like that. But they're not orchestrated and they're not uh, connected. They're disjointed. And that's the greatest problem that we found or identified through the pilot project. So who's the organization responsible for orchestrating all of these different activities and, and solutions? There's nobody out there. And like I said, this is compounded when the actual needs of the veterans aren't being taken into consideration. So I can't answer that. I, I can only say we found the problems. The pilot project creates some ways to overcome those challenges and hurdles. But this is a, a big problem that requires, uh, you know, a lot more than myself or Noto Global to, to solve. Well, Jim, as you say, everything begins with the first step. And knowing one's, I'll call it clients, patients, customers, namely the veterans themselves, is certainly a great first step. Uh, we will be sharing, with Jim's permission, uh, throughout our network, uh, Jim's and Inoto's report on this subject. I know it's going to be the last word, as you said, Jim, and this is not a self-promotional exercise, but merely to draw very, very important attention to the disconnect. And certainly there, you know, as I travel around the United States, even during this post-COVID period, um, and as we approach Memorial Day, uh, you can see the overwhelming sentiment of support for our veterans, well-intended, and uh, the message, I think, to take away is that it needs to be directed in a more meaningful, targeted, and focused way uh, for the consumers themselves. And so, Jim, thanks again. I know this uh, project was undertaken with considerable thought and effort and very much in the public interest. So thank you for your continued focus and concern around all veteran affairs. Hey, David, my pleasure. I'm glad that I had the opportunity to talk about the issues. Hopefully, something good will come from this, um, and, and that's all we can hope for. At the very least, we're going to try to our very best to make sure that uh, your report is viewed by a number of people. James R. Cisco is the founder and president of Enodo Global. Enodo Global is part of the RAIN Network. 
You can learn more about his company and his study at RainNetwork.com. Individuals and organizations turn to Rain for risk intelligence that cuts through the hype to focus on what they need to know, what to expect, and what to do. Subscribe to Rain's core membership today and let us power your business to success. Learn more at RainNetwork.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.